This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. Hi, podcast. I am Carl Jensen. And I'm Doug Cunnington. Doug, so a pretty crazy thing happened to me. Uh, I never thought I'd be saying this sentence, but I, I just spent $10,000 on this crazy, it's an experience, it'll probably be a couple hours long, an afternoon, that hopefully some of y'all will be able to enjoy with me. Uh, but before I tell you about that, I want to tell you about one interesting frugal versus cheap experience that happened to me recently. And before I say that, actually, I'm going to ask you a question. What temperature do you keep your house at, Doug? Usually uh, during the day in the winter, 68, and then at night during the winter, 65. Okay. So, and then when we record, I actually turned it uh, off so it could be very, it's kind of chilly down here. <laughs> okay. It is kind of cool down here, which is what, why I bring up this conversation. So we keep ours at 69. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, take that how you will. And at night it goes down to 65. So the same as you, but we've got these one friends who... Uh, they have substantial income, nice house and all that, but they keep their house super freaking cold. So whenever we're invited over there, we know how to dress up like we're hoodies and stuff and like that. But so we were hanging out, out there recently and we knew to, to dress up, but we, we go over there and even with that, it was super cold. So I wander over to their thermostat and look at it and it said at like 62. I'm like, oh God. And it's been super cold here. So it's been like eight <laughs> degrees during the day, like the high day. So I'm like, I think I need to go like put my jacket back on. It's so cold. And I'm not sure where I'm going with all this, but Mindy and I used to have fights over the the, the thermostat. She'd want to keep it warmer. Like it was up to her. Our house would probably be 74. And uh, you know what? Sometimes I do crank it up a little bit above 69. But yeah, the 62 thing is, is pretty crazy, especially when you've got the money. In. But the thing is, too, they don't seem to mind it. Like they both have t-shirts on or something like that. So I don't know. You ever experience anything like that or any other example? And I, so I don't know if it's, I don't think it's actually to save money. I think that's just how they like it. Yeah. Well, I think you're supposed to burn more calories when you're cold. Like that's a thing, right? Um, my first house was built in 1918 or something like that. And it was very drafty, super drafty. So they had renovated things over the years, but it was not like well done. So it was very cold in the winter and it was, you know, it was basically just like running the heat with like all the doors open. Right. So I would keep it at something like 55 and have a space heater in the room that I was in. Right. So that's, you know, it wasn't that cold in the room that I was in, but if you had to, you know, go out in, in the morning, it was pretty cold and, you know, it'd bump up the heat then and it would feel warmer. But one thing I would do, this is like a camping trip, a uh, trick, camping trick. Uh, you can get like a Nalgene bottle, like a, one of the plastic water bottles, you know, put really hot water in there and keep it under the covers with you. It's like a little nature's, uh, like electric blanket, but yeah, it keeps you warmer and it, it actually works pretty well. 
Interesting. Okay. And I would do that in my own house, like I was camping outside. <laughs> so I think I need to get one of these things and bring it over to these people's house. When I stay there, I'll just have to like sew it into my shirt or something like that. They'll be like, man, it looks like you put on some weight. No, no, no. It's just this hot water bottle. Uh, you can say it's like a weight vest. You're like, yeah, oh. I've just been working out and have like a couple... <laughs> A couple uh, gallons of water strapped to your person. Yeah, that's a great idea. And they're like, why are you refilling it every hour with our hot water? I'm like, God, it helps out. It's a body hack. I wonder what they keep their uh, water heater at. I don't know. I, I guess I'll find out soon. <laughs> you have to tell me who it is afterwards. <laughs> yeah, they're both fit people. That they're great. They're awesome. But uh, yeah, I'll tell you who it is after this. But and yeah, one... Other thing, I we were sitting there, we were there for hours, and I keep waiting. Like you can hear when the furnace comes on. I'm like, "Come on, come on!" And finally, at like the very end of the time we were there, like four or five hours, it finally kicked on. I'm like, "Oh, finally, just as we're about to leave." But uh, <laughs> their gas bill is probably super cheap, and yeah, gas is expensive now. Maybe that's part of it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Okay, so you you did this crazy thing, and it. You know, when you were telling me about it, I thought it was one of those things you're like, ah, yeah, this is a possibility. And I was like, seems out of character. And then um, sometime later, you know, a couple of days later, you were like, yeah, it's a done deal. Yeah, I think it is out of character. And I still kind of feel slightly weird about it. I feel very good about the whole thing. But yeah, I I spent 10,000 bucks on a private concert. Um, I'll tell you how this came about. There's this band. They're pretty obscure. They got pretty big in the UK, but not so much in America. Uh, What's the name of the band? The band is called the Webb Brothers. People might be familiar with Jimmy Webb. You ever heard of him? Doug, his big song was The Highwayman. Okay, so he did a lot of songwriting and uh, yeah, pretty big guy, like hanging out with big people. I I think some of the, well, yeah, I won't go into some of it, but yeah. So his kids started this band and they were pretty, they they were Chicago based. So that's how I learned about them. I had another friend who was in bands. I went to see his band and then this other band came on, the Webb Brothers came on. So I learned about them. I bought their CDs and really enjoyed them. And this was all like 20 years ago. And I still listen to their music at least once a week. So somehow through social media, I saw that they had started up a Kickstarter trying to raise $35,000 to reissue a bunch of their music and release a bunch of stuff that they had never released before. Apparently they finally got creative control over their own stuff and could do this, but they were trying to raise some money to do this. So I'm looking through, you ever do a Kickstarter, Doug, before? Yeah, I never have. Okay. Do you know what it is or? Yeah, but you could explain it for people that don't. Yeah. So Kickstarter is a way to uh, support someone. It's a way to raise money. And I'll explain how these guys did it. So for 10 bucks, you could just send them 10 bucks and you get absolutely nothing. You're just supporting the band. And then they have all these other tiers. Like for 50 bucks, you might get a digital recording of their music and a t-shirt. And then for a hundred bucks, you get like a vinyl records and a t-shirt and, and on and on. So I'm scrolling through this, looking at all these, I'm like, you know, 200 bucks, like maybe I'll send them that, but that's a lot of money. So then finally, I, I get to the bottom prize, their big prize, and, and usually th- they're limited like a prize. They'll say, okay, we'll offer five of this because we're not going to print out five jackets or what, or whatever the thing is. But I get to their big prize, and that's for like 10000 bucks. You can have a, a, a private concert. I'm like, oh, man, that's pretty crazy. Like, And I hadn't even thought about buying it. So then I posted something on Twitter, and and, and funny enough, like everyone it was pretty supportive of it. Uh, 
the one that really stood out was Brad Baer from Choose FI. He said, the memory dividends, and I guess this is from Bill Perkins, who wrote the book Die With Zero. He coined this memory dividends term. But anyway, the memory dividends from this will be priceless. There's a 0% chance in 40 years as you sit with more money than you could ever spend. And you look back on that night that it'll be a waste of 10000 And everyone else said the same thing. I don't think... There was one person who had who said anything negative. I did have a Twitter poll, and one of the options was, you're crazy for even considering this. And I, I think that one got 17%, but 60% of people said I should do it. So I'm like, you know, this is, this is an insane thing to do, but this would be super cool too. We could have it at the HQ. I could invite a bunch of friends, hopefully have a, a bunch of their fans show up. Like, what a crazy thing this would be. I kind of feel like, did you ever see Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Yeah, it's been a while. So there's a part at the very end where Spicoli, I think, that was Sean Penn, the main character. He's kind of like this surfy hippie dude, saves Brooke Shields from drowning. And as reward money, he gets Van Halen to play his birthday party. I'm like, this is my Spicoli Van Halen moment. I can't get them because Eddie's dead and that'd be too expensive anyway. But I could get one of my like top three favorite bands, some of my favorite music of all time, the, the soundtrack to big parts of my life to, to play a private show. And the other thing I thought of is I've actually emailed these people and they seem pretty cool. They're, they seem like nice dudes that would be fun to hang out with. Like if they were rock star assholes, they're going to pick up chairs and throw them through the window. I don't want to associate with these people, with the, that kind of people, but they seem like genuinely good, nice people. So I'm like, you know, maybe I, sh- I feel crazy for even considering this, but I think maybe I should. So I, I said, hey, Mindy, did you see the, the, the Twitter poll? What do you think about this? She's like, well... If it means a lot to you, you should do it. I'm like, oh, shit. So then I thought about it for another day. They always tell you you should sleep on stuff. I'm like, you know, this still feels really good to do. So I went ahead and did it. I bought a private concert from this band for uh, 10000 bucks. And I, I, I feel slightly, the only thing I feel bad about is these guys are all in the UK, which is where all their fans are. And one of them is in Australia. I think they're in the UK. I don't even know that, but I don't think they're stateside anymore. But so now they all have to fly to Colorado, like not even <laughs> New York or LA or Chicago. They're old stomping right. grounds. They have to come to Colorado to play this show. So hopefully they still make a little bit of money from me after buying plane tickets and transporting instruments. Yeah, that's cool. And yeah, I was just thinking of the, yeah, some of the cost on their end and the fact that we can cut this out if we need to, but you have the house, like, right. Would you let them stay at your house, yeah. your other house? Yeah, I actually, I actually offered that. I felt kind of, um, I'm like, Hey man, I, I really appreciate this. I know I'm helping you all, but y'all got to fly, or at least one of you has to fly from Australia. Like, like that's a that's a far way to come. I'm like, I've got lots of friends with instruments, like keyboards, guitars. I could hook you up. I could probably pick you up from the airport. Yeah. And I said, I've got a furnished house. So if that helps y'all, you all, you could stay there. So we're still working on all, all the details, but I hope to make it as easy as possible for them. I, I guess I would consider doing it somewhere else if it really worked out better for them, but I think it'd be super fun to have it here at the HQ. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think so. I mean, I'm, I wonder, um, would, would it be like outside, I imagine? Yes, it would probably be, this will probably be in like uh, August or September, somewhere around then, so we could have more people there. It could be outside. It'd be an acoustic show. We're not going to have like a, a metal show with like drums and shit. It'll be, uh, the cops will not come, or at least if they do come, it won't be because of noise. Okay. 
Gotcha. That's pretty cool. Did so you you slept on it and you were like, ah, I still think it's a a good idea. Did you have any further hesitation after you got, you know, you got the idea validated. No one thought you were crazy and all that. Uh, no, the interesting thing is this is kind of an, these things are an experiment in my mind. Like, how am I going to feel for having purchased, for having purchased this? And what is this going to do to happiness? But I think someone mentioned this, but it's true. A lot of the joy of it too, is the anticipation of it. Like I'm, I'm talking to these guys like, Hey, we're going to do this show. We can do it here and I can help you out in this and this way. And here's who I want to invite. But there's lots of people, musicians that they know that I like as well. And like those people might come out for this and I'll have friends there who really appreciate music. So I'm so looking forward to this. Like, uh, yeah, if anything, I feel way better about it than I did when I actually bought it. And I felt good about it then. So I think this is going to be awesome unless something crazy happens and they turn out to be assholes or like throw the air conditioner through the front window of the HQ or something like that, or get drunk and have the cops called, which uh, I don't think any of that will happen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it won't happen, but that could be the only way I could see this going bad in any way. Pretty cool. And, and I'm trying to recruit Doug. Like I was trying to recruit your wife cause they've got, they do a lot of stuff with like string sections, uh, some of their songs. I'm like, man, Elizabeth should come play the cello for this. I don't know if they'll go for that or Elizabeth would go for it. <laughs> but I think that'd be pretty awesome to have some friends like sit in with them if that works for everyone. That's cool. Yeah, pretty amazing. Now they're, they're called the Web Brothers. And if people want to check out their music, what's the best like platform? Because I went out, I usually use like YouTube music. Yeah. And I like searched and I was like, I don't know if I'm finding them. Yeah. What kind of music is it? And where should people like go check it out? Yeah. I'll put some links. Probably most people are on Spotify, but they are on YouTube music as well. So I'll put links and there's a couple performances from them on YouTube too. So I'll link to all that. I think the performances, I don't know if it's the BBC. Like I said, they never hit it super big here. It was mostly the UK. Um, so some of the performances are from over there, but yeah, well, we'll put links to it in the show notes. Cool. So let's move on to the, well, before we move on to the philosophical question, anything else with the story or logistics of how this all happened? Yeah. So I, I want to make this whole thing a super cool party for friends. So first and foremost, if anyone in the audience has heard of this band and appreciate their music, consider yourself invited. We're still working on all the details, but if you can make it to Colorado. I want this to be a, a fun party for everyone. I was thinking about having a barbecue, maybe some food there. And uh, yeah, if anyone really likes music, check them out. And if you really want to attend this thing, we look forward to having some friends and some people who appreciate the music show up there. I, I really hope there's some fans there. I, I think I told you before, Doug, I went to a show in Los Angeles and... I don't know if this was because it was LA or what, but the, the Smashing Pumpkins were on stage, the headliner, and I'm looking around and half the people are sitting down staring at, at their phones. So, I, I, <laughs> oh, really? yeah, like I, the dude in front of me was on like Instagram, like, dude, the opening act is right there, this legendary band, and you're not even looking. And I'm used to seeing them in Chicago where they're from, but yeah, I'm yeah. sure Billy didn't like that. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised he didn't stop off the stage. He's known to be a <laughs> temperamental human, but. Yeah, I hope to get some people who can appreciate the music and, um, yeah, enjoy the show and want to attend and support it. So, yeah, details to come. Super cool. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about the barbecue. I may be able to sort of get her a couple, uh, like, smoked huge pieces of meat uh -huh. and, um, you know, keep it in-house. 
Yeah. Yeah. That'd be super awesome. I was thinking that I need to get someone to work the grill, just buy like 200 burgers and just sit there and have an assembly line going. Oh, see, and I was thinking, uh, like pork butt. So it's like 30 pounds of meat all prepared ahead of time and just hot out of the oven. And it's just like, okay, buffet, like eat all you want versus like actively, but Oh no. Logistics. We'll talk later. No, that's that's a better idea. (laughs) All right. So now philosophical stuff. Yeah. I'd like to talk about just the, uh, the thoughts about spending a bunch of money on some crazy experience. And it's not like this is something that I'll be able to keep. It's not a thing. It's going to be memories and that's it. And it'll probably be one evening of memories and and then it's going to be over and that's it. What, What do you think about all this, Doug? I think it's great. I know uh, you mentioned that Brad talked about Die With Zero, a book I haven't read yet, but I will check it out. It's been on my list um, for a little while. I I think it's good. I know I mentioned it seemed a bit out of character. You know, in other episodes we've talked about, actually both of us will look at the price per ounce for cheese or meat or whatever. And we're pretty conscious even at like a, granular penny level, which I think is okay for certain areas. It's just a habit that you and I have. And a lot of people do, you know, the grocery store, but it seems out of character because it's a huge chunk of money. And I know you're conscious on what you're spending your money on, but it's awesome because you're testing what you think might work. And you're like, all right, this seems a little nuts you did a great job like validating it with other people. Although I would say a Twitter poll, I don't don't know. It's like, yeah, I conducted a poll of three people in the room that I'm in right now. So maybe the Twitter poll, I mean, they're just like, yeah, (laughs) like trying to validate you, but you did, you did check it out. You got some other opinions and I know probably the people that replied back were thoughtful about it. You respected their opinions. Mindy was like, that's cool. So, you only know if you're going to, um, if it's going to work, if you test it and you know, if, if this works out, it may be something, I don't think if you did it every year, it probably wouldn't have the same like impact, but every few years, like maybe you do some crazy thing where it seems like quote out of character, but it's a amazing experience, like a once in a lifetime thing. So I think it's great. Yeah, that's kind of the way I look at this too. It's uh, this will probably, this particular thing will probably never happen again. And this is a fun experiment to see what it's like to part with a big sum of money for an experience. And also, we're, we're fortunate, so this doesn't affect our finances and and, and yeah, at all. I, I like these kind of experiences too. I told you in a podcast episode a long time ago that one of the things I did for my family is I rented a house in Moab and just invited everyone there and expected no money out of anyone. So I like spending on experiences that bring people together as well. I think that makes it even more fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in, I think we can move on to the next one. So you challenged me to figure out what I would spend 10,000 on. And it's a tough one. You know, I'll, I'll throw out some, a couple things here. So I have too many guitars already probably. But when I was looking a little bit more, there are, you know, a handful of guitars that are, they call them pre-war. So it's before World War II. So it's typically like 30s guitars. Um, They're quite rare. They're, you know, 
almost a hundred years old. The wood's really old. Like they sound awesome. They have like a cool vibe. And some of those are, you know, approaching 10,000 or a little bit more depending on the condition. That would be really cool, but I already have plenty of guitars. So I was like, ah, that's not, that's kind of a non-starter. And at the risk of kind of stealing the one that you just mentioned, something that comes to mind would be like going on a trip bringing a lot of family, like just taking care of everything, it would probably be more than 10,000. It would probably last more than like one evening though. So it would maybe be like a week and maybe go to like Iceland to see the Northern Lights or something like that where it's like a cool destination none of us have been to. Places like Iceland tend to be a little expensive and then you kind of don't want to have to like worry about all the logistics. So you I would maybe get more of a kind of a package or like someone to take care of, like, you know, go to the grocery store, get a bunch of shit. So we don't have to like figure out like everything. Like maybe I want to go to the store like once or twice, but I don't want to have to solve every problem, even the most basic thing so we can relax and have a good time. So it would probably, you know, a trip like that, you know, you bring say like 15 people that would probably be more, than 10,000 bucks, but I think that fits the bill. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I'm talking about, and that's a, a great example. Do you think you'll ever actually do something like that? Or? Maybe. You know, we've we've talked um, around a similar idea, but not, not in the short term, I would say. Uh, definitely not on that scale. It maybe would be something, um, you know, stateside, something a little bit cheaper uh, once you throw in the airfare and then potential complications of flying delays and all that stuff. Some people get freaked out about that kind of thing. They're not too flexible and uh, then it just derails. So, and they just stress out on the potential. <laughs> it's too much detail, but they stress out on the potential of things that could go wrong, which is a fucking hard way to live. But, um, but anyway, stateside is a little bit easier. Yeah. So, Cool. I'll throw one more out there that we're probably actually going to do, and maybe even this year. Uh, uh, we, we've talked about buying some kind of thing in the mountains. We've even actually looked at a couple. One was like, uh, it was like a church camp that had been shut down with a bunch of cabins and like a main meeting room and stuff like that. I think it was like two million bucks. So I'd go on this with a big group of people. Or it's been super cold here in Colorado. Doug, this winter has sucked. It's cold. Yeah. Oh, man. It's been one of the worst winters of my life. I don't know is because I'm old or what, but like today the high is like, well, today it's a little bit warmer. The high is like 15, but there was one day I think the high was like two or zero or something like that. It was rough. It was a lot more like uh, Montana, a lot more like Bozeman, where we moved from. Yeah. And let me be clear. I like the cold. I grew up in the Midwest, lived in Wisconsin, and I like the change in seasons, and I'd rather be cold than hot, actually, because you can put on clothes, but you can only take so many so many of them off before you get arrested. And mm-hmm. I, I don't want that. <laughs> um, so anyway, one thing, uh, the other thought I'd have, the first one was the mountain compound. The other one was some place where it's warm, but that's within kind of a day's drive, maybe like uh, California is kind of far, but you could get to San Diego in two days. It's like 1,200 miles, but having a house there. And then what we do with the house is, I don't think I'd even rent it, but I just tell all my friends and family, hey, I've got this house here. You can use it whenever you want. Like we might be there and we want you to come when we're there so we can share time with you and maybe plan some events or, hey, it's like the 4th of July, the first six friends who reply to this can come hang out with us in San Diego. So again, 
creating spaces to have fun with people who are fun and that you give a shit about. Mm -hmm. So I like the idea. We've talked a little about it, but I always arrive at, while it's a little more, well, I, I arrive at, for me, a better option is to just Airbnb and do short-term rentals versus owning the piece of property. There's always overhead with owning the yep. piece of property. So why would you buy it? Why is that better? Uh, this would be, especially the warm weather one, it would be someplace, or even the ski one, I guess. Um, it would be someplace that we could go to spontaneously. Like, hey, we want to go skiing in Breckenridge. This place is like half an hour away. Let's go stay up there. Or especially after kids, hey, it's freezing cold here. You know, let's just drive out to San Diego right now. But you're definitely right there. And that's what, what we thought too, unless we feel really strongly that we would be there for a significant amount of time. It is better just to rent an Airbnb thing, even like 5,000 bucks for a week with like six bedrooms and you can have a bunch of people there. But yep. yeah, and that, that's the thing. And then you don't have to worry about furnishing other maintenance. Like, like I said, there's always overhead. I'm also an anti-real estate person, but um, you know, there could be some appreciation, but like, it sounds like you wouldn't, you know, that wouldn't be the primary driver as a, as an investment, right? Yeah. It would be that happiness dividend thing. And we've talked about with David Boyer, maybe doing something with mm -hmm. him and then he would actually live in it when he's in Southern California. And then we just enjoy it whenever we come out there. So it would be that kind of situation would make it more appealing to where you've got some kind of boots on the ground and maybe someone else to put some money into it. So yeah, yeah the house cool. thing is a long shot and would take a lot of thought and it would have to be a, the very, it would have to be a very specific property with very specific conditions. Like you can't mow along when you're not there either. And I don't want to, I don't like ongoing costs. Right. Right. And that's, you know, a couple of the things you were like, ah, oh, you could just spontaneously go out. And I'm like, unless things change with Airbnb, I, I respect your desire to buy a place, but I'm just like, ah, there, there's so many options. Things maybe wouldn't be ideal, but you could pretty much just like look it up probably book something ski season. That's a little, that's a little tougher. Like you may not be able to get the, the prime spot and all that, but a big city like San Diego, like you probably can get stuff just about last minute. Most of the time depends on the time of year, but yeah. Yeah. So. I, I agree. The, the mountain one would be a little bit different because we we're looking at something where we could have multiple structures and maybe have like re retreats there. So we, when we have more than four listeners, we can have the Mile High Five retreat and bring a bunch of people out there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I remember the space that you're talking about. It's like the old, um, it's like an old Western town that's abandoned, but it's not really old. Is, was, is that um, something? I think that might be a different one. I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah, okay. this was at all. There was like seven cabins on there and some other structures. Okay. <laughs> A compound. <laughs> a compound. It sounds kind of ominous, like we're going to do some Waco thing or something. The feds are going to come storm it one day, like the fire movement has been extinguished. Yeah. It's a cult. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. It could be a religion. We don't have to pay taxes anymore. Oh, that's a great idea. Fire. Is there a URL suffix for religious entities or .org maybe? Dot God. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know. Fire. Is that one? Fire. Dot God. God. It seems like it should be, right? It's obvious. <laughs> Fire. Dot God. That sounds dark. It's like a satanic <laughs> type. Uh... Whatever it takes to not pay taxes. <laughs> it's got to go in that direction. It's got to go. 
All right. So we have stuff versus experiences. Yeah. I think we talked about this a little bit. Doug and I talked about comparing prices on like ounces of cans at the grocery store. I'm just thinking about my own life. We've got two super old cars. They both have 200,000 miles on them. I buy my clothes from Costco or the thrift store. I think that might be the, the whole point of this conversation. You spend money on stuff that's really important to you, but save on the shit when it doesn't matter so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's been an on, ongoing theme. And I think both of us have mentioned like, you know, we'll, we'll spend money on like vacations and travel. Like those are, I see the value a lot now where in the past, maybe, whatever in my twenties, I'm like, oh man, like that flight's so expensive. But the, the other part is, I mean, you and I aren't too crazy with the travel rewards and credit card rewards, but I mean, I, I end up accumulating quite a few points that can usually pay for the majority of like a vacation or trip that we're taking uh, most of the time. And I know you guys do a pretty good job with that too, right? Yes. So, all right. What's next? Yeah. the Some other thing that I want to talk about with you, Doug, is so if we invest well and we continue to be frugal, we're probably going to end up with a bunch of money. So let's just say for the sake of things, you end up with like $10 million or 20 million bucks. Things work out really good. We're 60 years old. We have this big pile of cash. Uh, is there ever a time when you think purchases become irrelevant? And this kind of goes back to something you said a minute ago, like I'm a lot... I think my relationship is a lot healthier with money than it used to be. I used to spend hours like researching a flight and you're wasting all this time to save like 25 bucks or you're, you've got a map in one, you've got like two screens, you've got a map on one and then like Expedia.com and these hotels or Airbnbs on another one and you're comparing the location and prices. So I don't do that much anymore. But I worry about, is there ever a time where you could jump the shark where you, and what would that condition be? Is it buying a first class plane ticket to Omaha? Like, uh, should there be a, a limit or is there ever a time where you shouldn't be, uh, like I worry about not being thoughtful with money. I always want to be thoughtful with spending mm-hmm. n- no matter how much I have. Yeah. I, well, the, the main point, you know, if you invest well at some point, most purchases become irrelevant. So I think I can get behind that. That does make sense. But, you know, one thing we're actually um, somewhat debating, trying to figure out in in this household right here, I got to talk quietly. But basically, the other thing is I realized um, some people that are friends with Elizabeth, my wife, they listen to the show and then they tell her about it. So even though she doesn't listen, she's now finding out about stuff. So no one... (laughs) Let's keep it between us here. But basically, I wasn't I wasn't big on uh, budgets, right? So I had a general idea of like expenses. And then as we've gotten our shit or me get, getting my shit together, it's more expense tracking after the fact. It's not budgeting ahead of time and being thoughtful about what you're going to spend. Although I have a loose barometer, I would say, of like, hey, that's not too much. I could buy that um, widget over there and it's no big deal. It's fine. But I wasn't like proactively putting together a budget. So all that to say, we are now putting together a specific budget that accounts for bullshit like that. Fun fund, right? Like there's some money allocated just for 
purchases that are um, unusual, something fun. And it, it, it wasn't something that I consciously like was thinking about or budgeting ahead of time. So we're trying to do that. The thing is now I understand, um, you know, for me personally, I didn't, I didn't need that, or at least I felt like I didn't need it because I'm like, oh, you know, directionally moving in the right direction. Everything's cool. It's okay to make some purchases. I'm thoughtful about it, but I'm not tracking it directly. That said, Elizabeth likes to have the budget. So she knows like, okay, this is accounted for. And I know that I can spend this money freely and it doesn't matter how much it is. It's like, we've accounted for all the budgeted stuff and we're actually budgeting for, uh, travel, like at a whim travel or whatever. And it could be a huge amount as long as you're budgeting ahead of time. So long way for me to say, I, I didn't need, or I didn't want to have that sort of like additional tracking and guidelines ahead of time as a budget. I like to see it on the other end because then you can just make wild decisions <laughs> as you're going on. Um, but as a family unit, it appears that the budget is going to be good. So does that answer your question? Kind it, of. It does. I have a follow-up. Do you have a limit? Like, is there an upper limit as to what you could spend on that? Um, is whatever's budgeted is fine, but like the fun budget that we've penciled in is a certain amount right now. Nothing. It's like a few hundred bucks per okay. month. Um, so outside of that, if it's not in the budget, then you have to make changes. I'm sure there's some sort of application and approval process where I have to submit something in writing. No, I'm just kidding. But the, yeah. So to your point, like the, private concert that would be like way outside the scope of like what's in the budget so that would require like okay where's this money coming from cool right so yeah. what, what do you reckon because you and mindy were doing like a budget tracking thing last year for a while and you weren't doing a budget beforehand right yeah and it really wasn't a budget in the traditional sense it was just a way to keep track of our spending to see where it's going but we didn't put any constrictions on the spending Okay. So it really was expense tracking like I described. Yep. Okay. Were you more conscious about what you were doing, knowing that you would have to track it later? Yeah, I think it did. It did change our, it, it did change the way we acted. Like we went out to eat less, but I think we're, if that exercise causes you to change the way you're spending, you're probably doing something wrong in the first place. Like why did we need that thing to tell us not to go out to eat like twice a week or, or whatever? Did you start eating out again? Uh, well, we canceled the budget tracker, but then, yeah, we don't go out to eat that much. Um, so we stopped keeping traffic, track of our expenses, but I think we're more conscious and we're more thoughtful of what we do spend. So even though we don't do that anymore, I think it's made us more thoughtful about that little spending. We're still okay with the big spending, like the New York City Experiences concert. Um but it's, I think it's the day-to-day -day stuff that really gets you. Like, you go out to eat, especially if you have a drink or two with four people, it can get up to like a hundred bucks easy, you know? It's insane. Yeah, yeah. drinks are so expensive. <laughs> yeah, like eight bucks. I got a, because of our dry thing, I, I was telling you offline, I got a non-alcoholic drink at some place and it was still like $8. Like, really? What the fuck? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and I, it was some fancy cocktail. They had some fancy name and it tasted good, but man, there's not booze in here and it's eight dollars but yeah it's, that's they put a lot of love in that again <laughs> there was a lot of love not a lot of booze but yeah so at some point 
most purchases become irrelevant. And I think, you know, if you're thoughtful, you're probably moving in the right direction. You know, I think, you know, big ticket items, like, would you budget, even though you're not budgeting, would you budget like, you know, once a year, you're like, okay, I can make like one crazy purchase per year, or like you or Mindy or whatever, like you alternate something like that? Yeah, I, I think we do kind of do this now. Like, for example, we told each of our kids that they could have one vacation before they move out. So before they're 18, they get to pick one place, but we put a price cap on it. I think it was like five or 6,000 bucks, which is a sizable amount of money. But we're telling them they, they can't go nuts with this. There is an amount of money they can spend on this and then that's it. So they have to figure out whatever experience they want, but they have to make it work under the budget. So I don't think we would ever completely let loose. Like I'm not going to pay, I paid $10,000 for this concert. I'm not going to pay like $500,000 for Axel Rose to show up. He probably would throw something through the window of the <laughs> HQ. Uh, so yeah, there's definitely limits to all of this stuff, but yeah, I, just thinking on this now, the main thing is to keep track of the, if you're going to put any thought into it, it's to keep track of the daily expenses because those are the ones that stack up and they're the insidious ones that you don't really notice because they're small bites. It's not like this one 10,000 thing where you're going to put lots of thought into, yeah, let's just go out to eat. We're too lazy to make dinner tonight. And then, you know, you do that 50 times and there's $5,000. It's a lot. Awesome. Well, do you know if you're going to be able to work on the set list with the uh, Web Brothers? I do. They, they're going to play two sets and I get to tell them what songs I want to hear. And uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, there's a couple I really want to hear, but I don't really like telling people what to do. I want them to do what they want to do. And they'll be like pretty excited about, I mean, you know, if they pick the set list, it's like, that's the shit they want to play. You know? That's yeah. Good. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah, um, it should be a good time. So it'll be August or September if anyone's in town or has actually heard of this band. You, you got to come out to Colorado to experience it with us. Very cool, man. Well, congratulations on, on doing this. And yeah, it'll be exciting. You have like several months of excitement to do the planning, you know, invite other people. Like there'll just, there'll just be all this anticipation, like all the way up to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be great. I'm super looking forward to it. It's going to be awesome. And I wonder one side thing. I wonder if they've been to Red Rocks and like, you could be like, Hey guys, like let's go to Red Rocks or like, let's go see a show. You could like hang out with them or whatever. Oh yeah. that That's a great, I'm going to write that one down. I don't know what's going on. We haven't formalized a date yet, but if there was like Red Rocks is a magical place to see, to see a show. Yeah, yeah, and even if they've been before, it's like if they if there's a band that they dig that's there or a comedian or whatever, like it's just fun to go down. Yeah, sure. Cool. Awesome, man. We'll catch you on the next one. Okay, see you soon, Doug. Thanks for listening to the show. That was the Mile High Five podcast, and I'm Doug Cunnington, the balder host, and Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, Tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show. We really don't care who you tell. Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five. And uh, actually, we don't give high fives in, in person. So the virtual kind is pretty good. And more importantly, your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two. Make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using, and that way you won't miss a show. And number three, 
please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer, this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week. So we're coming off of uh, dry January. I'm curious if your sleep or your workouts have been different because you haven't been drinking as much. Yeah, I'll start with the workouts because that's the easier one. I think those are those are definitely better because if you, especially if I go to bed with alcohol in my system, I don't sleep well. And then you wake up and I do these pretty intense workouts. Like uh, the one I did yesterday, I did, uh, I originally told you 120 pulps, but it was actually 122 by the time I was done with them. And for strength training, you, you really need to push yourself hard. And that's hard to do if you don't have your full capacity. If you didn't sleep well, it's really hard to push yourself to where you need to be. So I definitely see an improvement there. And sleep has definitely gotten better too, but in ways I didn't expect. I was trying to see if there were any other variables as to why this happened, but I don't think there are. And the thing that's happened is I seem to have an easier time falling asleep and I, and I'm sleeping later too. Like I can't remember the last time I got even seven hours of sleep. And I think I've done that a couple of times. There was one time I slept till like 7am and I haven't done that in years, but it's, it's pretty glorious. Like sleep is so important. I've realized how it screws me up when I don't get enough. So yeah. Big improvement there. Cool. I um, I was improving my sleep like over the past year. And then I think we discussed it before, like the chili pad really helped me out. And I, I think my sleep was still pretty good um, even before I stopped drinking. I haven't noticed anything big. That said, I had shifted my alcohol consumption earlier in the day. And very rarely was I like having a beer or two, like right before bed, which just is terrible. Like I makes me hot. Like I wake up in the middle of the night sweaty, like no matter how cold it is. Yep. Um, so, you know, none of that, but I, like I said, I've shifted my alcohol consumption earlier in the day. <laughs> so have to have a beer with breakfast. Whatever it takes, you know, whatever it takes. And, you know, workouts, I haven't noticed anything specific. I've had sort of wavering motivation um, over the past few months where I'm just like, okay, I'm working out really hard. And I think I'm not managing maybe my energy levels or food consumption. So I'm well fueled when I hit the gym. But you mentioned pull-ups and we're you and uh, David uh, Bauer and myself, Boyer and myself are kind of we're doing a friendly like pull-up challenge so you you said you did 122 so you do like a couple at a time or whatever yeah i did between four and eight at a time so i'm not going for a a big bunch i'm just trying to do a lot of them i like feeling sore the next day like now my lats are pretty sore and uh that's one way i found to do it where if i just like maxed out for three sets i my muscles crap out and then i don't feel like i get the strain Gotcha. It that's, takes me a long time to do it. It sounds impressive, but this is over like an hour and 15 minutes. That's why you were asking me for the back rub, I guess. It yeah. makes sense now. Yeah, that is why. You promised, Doug, after this show, <laughs> after we're done recording. The the bigger part is uh, mental clarity. So I it took maybe two weeks, but then after a couple of days, I was like, 
you know what? Like recording these episodes, like doing other stuff, my brain is sharper. So I wasn't getting like pure hangovers, but I guess just there's some mental fog or something like that. But I can find the words I'm looking for more quickly. I can, you know, carry on a conversation a little it's like less mentally taxing. I'm not really sure. Did you notice anything uh, mentally? I hadn't thought of it before you brought this up, but I think in general, I'm like a happier, um, maybe more optimistic person. And that might go back to sleep Mm because when you don't get sleep, you're usually a shittier, more unhappy person. Yeah. Okay, cool. So it's been good, unfortunately, because I I was enjoying the alcohol. So I think the main mention or the main uh, summary of this is we can still drink, but we have to drink earlier. And this reminds me of something funny. When I was in school, they had this bar and I never got a chance to experience this and it probably isn't around anymore, but they would call it, I think it was called porn and eggs. So they would show, you could go in there like at six in the morning, get beer, get breakfast. And they, on all their TVs, they had adult videos. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. They'd advertise it and everything. I kind of, uh, would have been a novel thing to go to, but it, it's probably gone by now, I suspect. Yeah. And yeah, weird. It's, it's crazy. You never went there. 